Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded on Tuesday, January 21st at the beautiful Hampton and the Suites, Sarasota, Florida. Tonight, we're talking about the dumb stuff that we all do in hotels. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. I am in beautiful, sunny, 48 degrees, Sarasota, Florida tonight. And the central Florida weather the last three or four days has been like lottery numbers. One day it's 62. The next morning it's 34. By afternoon, it's 55, so the numbers are all over the place, or the temperature's all over the place, which in turn means almost everybody down here has some form or sort of congestion going on, myself included. Thankfully, we are not in 24 inches or 30 inches of snow with no sun in sight. So I'm going to play a real quick clip. Hopefully the YouTube police don't come after me. And after I play the clip, give you a little explanation as to why. All right, listen up, y'all. I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city. So don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? Yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay. So that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay, then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. So if you don't recognize that clip, it is from one of the funniest skits, in my opinion, of all time, Substitute Teacher from Key and Peele. I'll put a link to it. It's probably three to five minutes long, and it is a riot. And last week, I had a flight 653 on Southwest from Baltimore to Orlando. And that January 16th flight gave that skit a run for the money. Flight 653 was sold out, just like most flights into Orlando are, especially late in the week and especially late in the day. So Southwest and their open seating plan has some advantages, such as you get to choose whatever seat you want. They also have some disadvantages, such as Southwest has no idea who is sitting in which seat. And that was the basis for the recreation of the substitute teacher skit last week. It seems that there was an extra ticket sold for the flight. Yet, when you looked around the plane, there was no one standing in the aisle looking for a seat. Every seat was occupied. So, they went on to explain that they were going to call each of the 175 passengers by name. They would check our licenses to verify that the name that we answered to was legitimately ours. And there was a collective moan with an undertone of laughing as they proceeded to butcher anyone's name that wasn't Jill, Mary, David, Fred, Mike, anything anything that was run-of-the-mill with less than two syllables in it. It was hysterical. And if you've never watched the whole skit, probably the funniest line to me is the very last line in it, 
when they called my name, instead of saying here or present, I said present. And everybody under the age of 30 on the plane laughed because they knew exactly what I was doing. As the list was completed, there was one gentleman whose name was not called. For some reason, he acknowledged it that he wasn't called. He was asked to get up, leave the plane. And as he was walking down the aisle, he, I guess he was with about four or five of his buddies. He shouted out, if I don't come back, grab my gear. Of course, his three or four friends just went on to bust his chops as he was heading down the aisle. Roughly 15 minutes later, he returned. His buds cheered. The gate agent went on to offer up some kind of a lame reason why there were two tickets sold with who knows. I mean, I, apparently it made the gate agent feel a whole heck of a lot better because we were now delayed. It was our flight was set to leave at 505 and it was probably 545 before we pushed back from the gate. So there were people that had connections in Orlando. We landed, I think at probably seven, seven thirty that night. There were people with very tight connections. So Southwest, the flight attendants did as they normally do. Most airlines do this where they'll make an announcement as we're landing, saying if this is your final destination, please remain in your seats. We have several flights, several customers that are under very tight connections due to our late departure. Please remain seated so they can get off their plane and make their connection, which is pretty much code for I don't care. Everybody stand up and let's get off the plane as quick as we can, which they did. So if you're ever on a plane and you're at your final stop and the flight attendant makes a very simple announcement like that, stay in your seat. Ask the people next to you, hey, is this your final stop? If they say yes, just kind of give them a nod and say, hey, we're going to hang out here. All it's going to do is delay you maybe 10 minutes at the most. And if you check luggage, by the time you get off the plane, your luggage will be in baggage claim just waiting for you to pick it up. This last week, I came across this very interesting article. Congrats, Miami. You have the worst commute in the entire country. This was from one of the local TV stations down in Miami. It goes on to say, you can stow this one in the tell me something I didn't already know file. A new study shows that Miami has the absolute worst commute in the entirety of the United States. That's right. All 50 states. And we presume territories. According to Move It, Miami drivers spend an average of 56 minutes in their cars or on public transportation commuting or returning home from their job. The Magic City is tied with L.A. for the top spot. And if you think you're beating the system by taking public transportation, think again. Miami leads all U.S. cities by waiting 16.46 minutes for the bus, metro, rail, or train. The list goes on to spell out Miami, L.A., New York, Chicago, Philly, Boston, San Fran, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and Pittsburgh. Well, where's Atlanta, where's Jersey, and where's Charlotte? All three of those I would put well on par with any of those up there. I, I was in Seattle last year. Yes, traffic is tough. Miami is tough. Charlotte's just as bad. Atlanta rush hour Friday starts somewhere around Thursday afternoon around 2 p.m. And here's my take on traffic. Most traffic frustration is felt by the locals. They're the ones that know how long it should take to get from point A to point B. For us travelers, yeah, we all check Google Maps, so we know kind of an idea if we're staying on the outskirts of town, how long it's going to take us roughly to get where we're going. We give ourselves 
you know, a few extra minutes for traffic and things like that. But short of the locals telling us that it, this should take 20 minutes or 50 minutes or 40 minutes, we really don't have that much of an idea. But when I'm stuck in traffic in some random area, I'm always looking out the window. It's always cool. You know, it's safer than doing it at 75, 70, 75 miles an hour. And I've discovered some really cool stuff along the way. The other thing that I've noticed, and especially in Atlanta, is that most cars are occupied by one person. Atlanta has a pretty good public transportation system between the buses and MARTA. They've got park and rides all along the outside of the perimeter, so you can park your car, hop on the MARTA, take it to where you're going. When you get off, take an Uber to your destination. But the majority of cars that I see in Atlanta, mine included, because I'm typically alone when I'm in Atlanta, is occupied what by one single person. So we've talked about doing dumb stuff at the airports. So how about doing dumb stuff at the hotels? So right off the bat, probably the number one dumb thing that people do when it comes to hotels is they do not book directly with the hotel. First of all, those discount rates will normally get you a discount room. The other thing is if you have any kind of trouble and you've booked through one of those third-party sites, that's who your support is if you have problems checking in. 10.30 at night, you and the family have been traveling most of the day, you go to check in, you got your confirmation number, but the hotel has no record of it. Hotel's probably not going to give you a lot of help. You're going to have to call that third-party site. Good luck. So just remember that 10 or $15 extra that you're going to pay on the room, and you will. Those discount sites, they do have discount prices. That extra 10 or $15 for the room is well worth it when you have a confirmation number for a room that you book directly with the hotel, and you can say to that desk clerk, here's my reservation number, here's my confirmation number, I booked directly with you, I need some help. Not being a member of a hotel's loyalty program, 99.9% .9 of the time, these programs are free. And they do have benefits even if you travel once or twice a year. Oftentimes, you'll get upgraded Wi-Fi, free breakfast. Possibly, they'll waive a parking fee for you. Again, even if you travel a few times a year, get those points. Eventually, they will. you'll have enough points to do something with it. Even if it's as simple as getting a magazine subscription for a year, you may not have enough points to ever get a room. But at least, typically, you'll get something out of it. And again, those programs are free. The next thing is, when it comes to the hotel Wi-Fi, and if you're not using a VPN, you're just looking for trouble. So, nerd alert, a VPN or a virtual private network extends a private network across a public network and enables users to send and receive data across shared or public networks as if their computing devices were directly connected to the private network. Decryption is common, though not an inherent part of a VPN connection. Thank you, Wikipedia. I certainly didn't write that or make that up. Even if you're not logging into your bank or your credit card accounts websites, a VPN is a necessity. A quick Google search will provide you with an endless supply of VPNs. Don't cheap out on this one. Don't go for the free VPN. Go to a site like Make Use of or Lifehacker and see how they rate them, believe me, that 30 or 40 bucks that you're going to spend each year for a VPN 
is a small price to pay for having somebody grab your identity or grab some PIN numbers or some login information. Using the in-room coffee pot and using it for anything. Go on Google, do a quick Google search, and you will find numerous coffee pot violations from using it to cook ramen noodles to folks actually boiling their underwear in it. If you're a coffee guy, Normally, there are coffee carafes in the lobby. Those get cleaned and changed out on a fairly regular basis. The coffee pot in your hotel room, you know, who knows the last time anybody wiped it down or ran vinegar through it or anything like that. And if you're really a true coffee nerd, which I'm not, AeroPress makes a really cool, almost like a French press travel coffee, my French press contraption thing. I think it's like 30 bucks from people that I've talked to that are coffee nerds, they swear by it. So for like 30, 35 bucks, you can have fresh coffee. All you need is hot water, which typically you can get out of the, uh, the lobby. Again, they usually have a couple of coffee crafts as well as a hot water craft. All right. For all you freaks sitting on the bedspread naked or sitting on anything in the room naked while housekeeping does their best. They do not work for CSI. And believe me, I go down the hallway in hotels a minimum of five, six times a week. Oftentimes, there'll be a housekeeping cart in the hallway. And most of the time, I don't see a bunch of bedspreads on that cart. So just remember to keep that in the back of your mind. You know, a lot of people don't ever put suitcases on the bedspreads just in case of bed bugs. Probably not a bad idea. In 20 years of traveling, I've yet to ever have bed bugs invade my luggage. Or get on my body if uh, if so inclined. Most of the hotel rooms have some kind of a coffee table or some kind of table you can put your luggage on. Paying for room service. We all get hungry and short of packing some sort of a bento box in your luggage, room service is tempting and very expensive. Download Uber Eats or DoorDash. You get a better variety. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. And oftentimes with uh, Uber Eats, they're running specials where they don't even charge you for the delivery fee. You just pay for the meal and the tip. A heck of a lot better variety, and I guarantee you the food's going to be a tad bit more fresh than at the uh, the local hotel down the street. You know, another thing, if you want to bring food from home, and I have done this, freeze the meal in the freezer, put it in a Ziploc bag, Put it inside your luggage nine times out of ten. By the time you get to your destination at the end of the day, it'll be thawed out enough so that you can at least heat it in the microwave and eat in somewhat of a reasonable amount of time. Another one is not checking the alarm clock. Yes, most of us, most, use our phone as our alarm clock. However, that doesn't mean the person before you didn't set the clock radio for a blood-curdling alarm somewhere around 5 a.m. or 5.30. Oftentimes, housekeeping is just something that they overlook. So before you put that 50-pound clawed ache and head of yours on the bed or on the pillow, look over at the alarm and just make sure the alarm says off. Here's one that I'm guilty of on a fairly regular basis, not checking the shower before turning the water on. What I mean by that is possibly housekeeping left a little shower plunger engaged on the spigot. Nonchalantly, you reach in turn on the water, expecting it to run out of the spigot into the tub. Well, the shower's engaged and suddenly you are greeted or your back is greeted in the back of your head 
with relatively cold tap water. So like I say, I'm guilty of this one still. Do yourself a favor. Look at the uh, the plunger on the spigot. Make sure it's uh, pushed down and not pulled up. This is a great one. Threatening a hotel with a bad review. So you've got a blog, right? Yeah, me too. You've got a podcast. Ditto. You post to TripAdvisor, Yelp, and Google, Google reviews. Congratulations, Mark Twain. You know, unless you have a following like a Joe Rogan or your last name is Kardashian, the desk clerk really doesn't care. And the only thing that your review is going to do is going to allow you to feel, to vent. You'll probably feel a little bit better. But if you've legitimately be, been wrong, such as a broken air conditioner, no hot water, something along those lines, you're better served by going to the front desk, asking the clerk there, or ask for a manager. And more than likely, in exchange for your inconvenience, they will be glad to part with a thousand hotel points or two thousand hotel points. You know, if you're going to get upset, it's going to do little except probably get you more upset. You, you may feel good at the end of it, but you know what? Why not put some points in your pocket if you've been legitimately wrong? So don't threaten a hotel with a bad review. They really don't care. Hotel hacks. I love hacks. I love hotel hacks. I've passed on a bunch of them along the way. By now, everybody in the world, if you're on any kind of social media, has seen where you can take the clips on a uh, coat hanger out of the closet and clip your curtains shut at night so the, the sun doesn't wake you up. Those are cool. But I have seen hacks where people have turned the in-room iron on its back and warmed a piece of pizza. Seriously, most hotels, most rooms have a microwave. If not, I can almost guarantee you that there is one down in the lobby. Go downstairs, get a plate, put your plate in the microwave, 45 seconds, you're eating a nice warm piece of pizza. You know, throwing a greasy slab of pizza on an iron is disgusting because the next guy that uses that iron that has the big meeting on a Tuesday morning and he goes to press his shirt and suddenly it smells like mozzarella and it's got a grease stain on it, that's not cool. So just, you know, think about the hacks. Are they really worth it? Are you causing yourself more grief than it's worth just to say, hey, I did a hack? So think about that one. The last one's a pretty big deal. It's safety very first thing that you should not be doing is leaving your hotel room key and the paper sleeve that it comes in. Very simple reason, right? Two things. Well, actually, three things. One is, if that falls out of your pocket and that key is still inside that sleeve, whoever picks it up knows the name of the hotel that you're staying at, more than likely the address. They know what room number you're in, And they know that you don't have your key. So by the time you get back to the hotel and realize you don't have a key, they could quite possibly have already gone in, opened the door, and cleaned you out. So just remember when you get that key packet from uh, the desk clerk, look at it, take the key out, remember the number, and just separate those two. Don't go out that night with that key still in that sleeve. If you do lose a room key and you get a replacement key, verify that your old key is deactivated. Most hotels do that automatically, but just ask them real quick, hey, is my old key deactivated? Yes, fine. This next one is for me personally, or actually the next two, is I avoid staying on the first floor. I don't get spooked easy, but for some reason I just don't like the uh, 
that ill feeling of having a room on the first floor, making it very easy for somebody to break through a window. The other thing is I don't stay in what they call a down and out hotel, and that's not a hotel with a number in the name like Motel 6. That's where the door to your room is on the outside of the building. Again, I get somewhat of a comfort or peace of mind knowing that there is an interior hallway in my hotel. Again, I don't know why I've never had a door kicked in, but just something personal for me. Also, lock your door. As soon as you walk in, swing that metal bar back across the door and throw the deadbolt. Takes less than a second. Immediate, immediate safety. The other thing that I see quite often when I'm walking down the halls is people will swing that metal bar to hold their door open while they run down the hall to get ice from the ice machine or they run out to the car to get something. Take your key with you. Make sure the door locks. If you're at the ice machine and some bad guy's walking down the hallway, all he's got to do is push the door open, clean you out, or worse yet, if you're in the room, push the door open, walk in, you're there. You can conveniently hand him your wallet and car keys, and he's out of there. The last thing is, if you happen to have a room that connects to another room, make sure that the door's locked. Very simple again. Make, look at that deadbolt. Make sure the bar, typically they'll have both a deadbolt and a bar. Make sure both of those are engaged. Well, there you have it. We've talked about dumb things that we're doing at the airport, dumb things that we're doing at the hotel. If you have any dumb things that you're doing and you wish to share, feel free to leave a voicemail at anchor.com or a comment on the blog at hypeamerica.com, or shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening, safe travels, and have a great day.